Bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the Out of Scene Halloween edition of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to find phantoms, banish ghosts, and generally improve life in the city of Regina as they attempt to fight off the hordes of undead. I, I didn't plan this through, but I can't stop now. One day, maybe we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things and fighting ghosts for Halloween, out of season. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Ah. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I know you're a little on edge. I, I, I scared myself with my spooky intro. You know I love fighting phantoms with you. Fighting phantoms, fighting phantoms. That's an Allen Ginsberg poem, as a matter of fact. I did not know that, but I will look it up. But now you do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do have to ask, why are there so many phantoms in need of fighting? Uh, Halloween's weeks and weeks away. It is weeks away, but, you know, there's a backlog of phantoms this year because of the heat. Uh you may not know it, but when uh, when you get like high pressure systems, you know, and and you get heat domes over a place, like the the phantoms, the ghosts, they can't they can't escape. Hmm. It's, usually they just go straight to heaven, but they can't right now. So we get lots of ghosts, and they get restless, they get angry. Have you ever been stuck overnight at an airport? Yeah. You know, when you're like a flight delayed, you know how sort of like impatient and on edge everybody gets. Right, and your your clothing gets kind of that like sticky, damp from uh, from like just sleeping in them in, yeah, a, in and an awkward position. Yeah, yeah, and you've been like living off Cinnabon. Yeah, and the sugar is kind of making you freak out after yeah. like you know twelve hours. <clears throat> yes, that's that's a deal. That's like what it is with these phantoms. Should we just get them something better to eat and maybe a change of clothes, like a, a phantom shower, maybe that they could go freshen up in. Oh, nice! Like proper. Maybe maybe we could open up like some sort of Phantom Coles bookstore mm-hmm. and a souvenir shop, and uh, maybe like a weird Phantom like Bentleys or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something okay. like that. Yeah, and maybe you know like a little play area for the baby phantoms, like the oh, little toddler phantoms. Yeah, yeah they need to run yeah. off their energy. That's true. That's that's also rather sad to think about, but. Uh, now, now that I think, now that I think about what we're actually talking about, that's rather sad. But <laughs> didn't make the connection. But anyway, the the point being that instead of fighting, right? Instead of fighting them, we should like invest in better infrastructure because right. with climate change coming, we're going to get more of this happening. Yeah, There's more ghosts trapped on the earthly plane for like indefinite periods of time. That's one of my big frustrations <laughs> with with the IPCC report is that. Uh, you know the impacts on the uh, the the ex human population uh, mm-hmm. hasn't really been taken into consideration. That that's quite true, and uh, I I don't want to I don't want to say this, but I have to take issue with your ex human description. Um, they a lot of phantoms actually are not comfortable with that term anymore. Mm, what do they go they with think now? It's, uh, phantoms. Just phantoms. Just phantoms. Yeah. Just plain old phantoms. Yeah, they, they find uh, ex-human to be implicitly classist, mm. placing placing living people on, like, you know, uh, higher in the hierarchy, higher up. Right. 
Well, you know, we'll all be there eventually. That's true. That is quite true. It's like people making fun of old people. You shouldn't do that because eventually you're going to get there. Or you're already there and just refusing to admit it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> those those foolish people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those those self-deluded old people. Yeah. Ha, 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 I say ha. Should we uh, do attendance? We should. We should. Um, first attendee... Um, uh, it looks like it's all phantoms. Ooh. And but they they can't I mean they have to face up to the fact they're not living. They can't they can't attend meetings. Mm-hmm. So I think we should just maybe have uh we, we can attend in their stead. Okay, I'm down with that. And uh you are I am Paul Deshane. Uh okay. That that seems I, I gotta say, I'm I'm not familiar with the name. Um but I see you like at least once a week here. So yeah. I'm just going to take your word for it. Um, anyway, and I am. Um, uh, uh, Do you need some help? Uh, no, no, I, I got this. It's um, um, uh, Abraham Lincoln. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. I give up. Okay. It's Aiden Morgan. Oh, him. Yeah. Okay. It's on your name tag. You know, I should look at my name tag. It was a matter of pride. I, I hear you. Also, I can't read upside down. It's hard. It's a skill that you have to learn. Yeah, or I could just turn my name tag upside down. Yeah, but, you know, you, your clothes are getting pretty thin and brittle. And if you were to do that, you might just like tear a hole in your shirt. You're right. You're, you're quite right. So mm-hmm. I, will, I will avoid that. All right. So do we have quorum? We do not have quorum. But let us proceed nonetheless. All right. Hey, there was a council meeting. Ah. Oh, wait, that's not phantoms. Council? Yes. Arguably scarier. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, like, after death, there's nothing but, like, you know, a long stretch of, like, you know, the ultimate black of just nothing. Sounds like a, sounds good to me. But it, it, it really sounds an awful lot like council. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm worried that, you know, this is like, I don't know, like lost. Like I keep going to these council meetings and I really think they're indistinguishable from purgatory, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm worried I might be dead, Aiden. That you might actually be unknowing a phantom yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the way to the Bardo or right. are you in the Bardo. I can't remember. Forced to live over the same tedious, boring meeting over and over and over again. And while, you know, some of the faces who are speaking may change now and then, nothing really changes. Everything is always pretty much the same. Uh, Anyways, so speaking of purgatory, council uh, finally considered their uh, fluoridation motion. So that was the community water fluoridation motion, which I erroneously said at our last meeting, uh, the motion to do this had been signed by everybody on council and by Mayor Masters. Yeah, and by Mayor Masters. It was not. Councillor Landon Mole did not sign on to that motion. It was everybody else but him. And as it turns out, he was the lone holdout at city council on this fluoridation motion. Huh. There was this string of experts uh, who came out to speak about um, 
what's the deal with fluoride? And so we had uh, Kelly Fuchs from uh, Saskatchewan Health Authority. Uh, there was a, you know, a professor of dentistry from the University of Saskatchewan came to speak. And so all of the experts with like medical training and uh, dental training uh, were saying, look, fluoride is safe. And fluoride in drinking water is safe. And fluoride is one of the most, it's one of the most significant developments in health sciences ever. Like it's up there with sanitation, garbage collection. Vaccinations. Uh, vaccinations, exactly. In terms of like the, the impact that they've had on society. Kelly Fuchs from the Saskatchewan Health Authority. One of the things she talked about is... Uh, what they see among young people uh, here in Regina and the kind of uh, tooth decay that they see uh, that, you know, we have like much higher rates of uh, tooth decay amongst young people than cities that have municipal water fluoridation already. And something that doesn't get talked about, because often what you get are like stats that are just about the number of cavities the kids have, but they don't mm -hmm. often talk about the severity of the dental problems that these kids get. Right. And that was one of the things she spoke to is about how, and it was a really powerful um, delegation that she gave. Uh, she talked about how a lot of kids are undernourished because like these are young, young, young kids, like, you know, under three who can't chew because they have tooth decay. Wow. Um, so they wind up becoming malnourished uh, because uh, is, anybody who's had dental pain, it's like one of those persistent pains that is difficult to get rid of. And so you wind up being sleep deprived. And for a lot of kids, this means that there are young kids in Regina who have to go in for dental surgery when they're under five. Uh, some of them are even having all of their baby teeth removed because the, uh, the, the state of their teeth has advanced that far. Wow. And have to live without teeth until their adult teeth come in. And hopefully they'll be able to, um, you know, they'll be able to like stave off the tooth decay when they're a little bit older. Alternately, you have situations where, um, you know, the recommended course would be crowns and a lot of fillings, but the families can't afford this kind of intervention. Mm -hmm. And so, again, the healthcare is delayed and the situations get much worse. And so. Oh, I, I think I see the problem. Yeah. Fluoride is good for the dental health of everybody, but that includes people who don't have money. Yeah. But if you don't have money, I, I think the thing is that if you don't have money, I think we all know that you don't deserve dental health or other good things. Like that should just come automatically with money because money is a sign of like, you know, God's favor. Yeah. So if you don't have money, you don't have God's favor. So you should probably just suffer a lot. It's almost like money is fluoridated. It's, it feels that way. feels feels like it feels like fluoride you can take to the bank. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the big argument that all of the experts came through with is that uh, it's uh, people with low incomes who benefit the most from fluoride, and that if you are of high income. There, there's a lot of affluent people who don't see the need for it. And it's because if you're affluent, you already have like, you, you've got dental care, right? Like you've got right. a dental plan from work. And so, chances are you've got good dietary and health outcomes as well. So, right. You know, so you've got, you've got, a, you've got a leg up. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Counselor Mole though, uh, he, uh, he was having none of it. He was very concerned about this whole idea of like, you know, medicating people without their consent and uh, wasting taxpayer money. Uh, one of the arguments is that a lot of fluoridated water, if you're 
putting it in all the municipal water, you know, it's going to be the water that you put on your plants and, you know, water your lawn with is also going to be fluoridated. And so that's fluoride that's going out into the uh, environment that's, you know, in to some people is being wasted. I mean, that also means though that, you know, the squirrels are going to get the benefit of that fluoride. Very healthy teeth. Yeah. The birds, I don't know if it'll help their beaks, especially, uh, or their proto-teeth, if that's the thing birds have. I mean, like egg teeth. Egg teeth, yes. And, yes. It's, you know, it's it's the young people and the young birds who will benefit the most from the fluoride in the environment. So there, there is a, I should say there is another problem. And I know this from having lived in cities with fluoridation. Mm-hmm. Um, vision problems. Oh, really? I don't know about this. Oh, because everybody's smile is so brilliantly white and their teeth are so healthy that actually you can like, temporarily blind yourself if you go out in public yeah and it's it's horrible you come back in you're blinking you've got sparks sparkles in your eyes you can't see you trip like over you know something you turn on the stove as you're flailing around your house blows up i you know i've been living here for so long i i've heard accounts of that of blinding white smiles but i sure haven't seen it i know like at least three guys who know guys to whom that happened right yeah yeah like they had a friend uh one guy he got just like blown up and like a friend of a friend told this other friend that i uh heard of uh so it's yeah that's a problem yeah and then you told me about it yeah exactly so so yeah uh, houses blowing up people falling into rivers um gun deaths because they people shoot at each other because they're paranoid and because they're blind yeah from from the teeth more reason for a mask mandate then exactly that would take care of it right to hide our gorgeous gorgeous fluoridated smiles that's right and we can reveal our gorgeous smiles only for our loved ones yes yes that's quite the future we get to look forward to here in regina uh in 2025 that's right that's when it's when there'll be fluoride perhaps yeah, and lead. <laughs> yes, well. we'll still have lead, and we'll be getting fluoride. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Apparently, it will take until uh, twenty twenty. Well, twenty twenty four, they'll be implementing the fluoride system because they're doing the whole revamp of the Buffalo mm-hmm. Town Water Treatment Center, and uh, by twenty twenty five, that will be online. So we've still got a few years to wait. Um, mm. So don't worry. You know, if if you can't bear the sight of uh, good teeth, you've still got, you know, two, three, four more years of uh, rotten mouths to, uh, oh, good. to look at. And, and this way we can ramp up like to the, to the brilliant smiles by like, maybe we can like have cards of increasing like whiteness mm-hmm. that we can stare at to like finally like accustom, uh, acclimatize ourselves yeah. to, to the, to the white apocalypse, which will be coming. Yeah. 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 Um, you Before know, apocalypse. The floor apocalypse, yeah. There's so many apocalypses, it's it's hard to keep them straight. I know, but th- this one by far will be the dumbest. Yeah, yeah. It's on your point about lead and Councillor Mole. So as I said, Councillor Mole uh, voted against uh, fluoridation. He also tried to pass a motion to put this to a referendum. Uh, Ugh, no, o- thank you, Mole. Yeah. Only he and Councillor Findura voted in favor. Findura just said, you know, I'm always going to vote for uh, more discussion. Uh, Mole kept, kept asking about, 
he was expressing concern about, you know, fluoride building up in your system. I did a really quick check because I'm pretty sure, and from what little research I had time to do, uh, fluoride does not bioaccumulate. So I really think Councillor Mole needs to uh, check his research on that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, lead, which Councillor Mole uh, voted against, uh, dealing with more quickly. Uh, lead does bioaccumulate. We know that for a fact. And mm-hmm. so uh, Councillor Mole uh, has not, he, he, he effectively voted for, you know, 10 extra years of lead bioaccumulation. Uh, and that was a good vote on his part. But for some reason, uh, lead uh, fluoride, which does not bioaccumulate, he's very concerned about us getting 0.7 uh, parts per million in our drinking water. Anyways, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Uh, I've got a little clip here from Councillor Mole that I thought I would play. Uh, yeah, so this was uh, Councillor Mole's uh, final comments on the subject. I'm just going to play like the first little bit of that. Hopefully I can get this under my five minutes and I'm allowed to speak. So through you, Madam Mayor. I'm going to recite this Health Canada letter uh, that I received from uh, somebody just before the meeting. It's an Access to Information and Privacy Division of Health Canada. Uh, Dear Ms. David, this is in response to your request under the Access to Information Act for clarified request text. Report studies, toxicology, and clinical tests relating to hydrofluosilic acid in Canadian tap water. Original request text. Documents pertaining specifically to hydro flocilic acid in Alberta and Canadian tap water. Studies from 1940 showing dental efficacy and human safety. Studies from 1950 showing dental efficacy and human safety. Any double-blind study done by Canada or any province showing dental efficacy and human safety of any date. Any double-blind study done by anywhere in the world that was considered. Any toxicity study of any date done by Canada or the world that was considered evidence of any kind, not opinion, that shows the statistical viability of water fluoridation in terms of efficacy and margin of error calculations, evidence of any kind, not opinion, that shows the statistical viability of water fluoridization in terms of human safety over a long time and the margin of error calculations, evidence of any kind, not opinion, that shows statistical viability of water fluoridization in terms of human safety and margin of error calculations for infants, young children, elderly, or any adult with disability, diabetes, bone disease, autism, thyroid ailments, kidney disease, etc. Evidence of any kind of consideration of human rights and medical ethics, namely our human right to opt out of the forced water fluoridization program. And if that consideration exists, why is the overriding of these well-established medical standards are breached? The answer from Health Canada. After a thorough search for the requested information, no records were located which respond to your request. What a waste of time. What, what a bit of like deranged, like, I don't know if that's grandstanding or like a little bit of obsessiveness or what. Okay. Okay, Mole. Like, can he find something better to do with his halftime wages in city council than to like research fluoride or like, Pester the government of Canada. Yeah, and, well, that was actually you know, that was a report. That was a response, an ATIP response that was passed on to him that somebody else had done. Oh, okay, okay, that's a little better, but still. Yeah, uh, I found it 
I, I enjoyed it because he dropped this at council as though this was the smoking gun. That, yeah, I could tell from his tone of voice. Yeah, yeah, that Health Canada did not have these this this laundry list of reports on you know health effects of fluoride through to the human rights implications of fluoride. Um, I don't know. I I, th- I think it's. This is like a hallmark of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. that you will get a uh, access to information request response that's non-responsive and hold that up as evidence of conspiracy or evidence. Yeah. yeah. Not that, you know, Health Canada uses other people's studies. They go to the friggin' library effectively. Yeah when they're making their recommendations, they don't keep all this stuff on hand. That's not their job. And so, you know, the, the fact that they had, they didn't, that these documents were not covered by an access to information request doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means they they weren't responsive to this specific request, which was so long. Like, I mean, it, it was almost written uh, to get a non-response. It was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And my my sense is that you could have, like picked up a report that answered some or all of those particular questions and said, here you go, counselor. And the, the goalpost could be shifted further back. Well, no, oh. it's not this or it's not that. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, you know, yeah. Just, ah, oh. yeah. Why, 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 <laughs> why? Me- meanwhile, yeah, it's fine. Lead's not a problem, but, but minuscule amounts of fluoride with demonstrated health outcomes is, is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's where we are. Uh, I find it interesting. It, I mean, it passed, right? Like it was a 10 to 1 vote finally for community water fluoridation. There will not be another referendum. So we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to endure the next like six months or three months of um, of propaganda about fluoride and all the all the uh, expense of having a referendum. I mean, we've got an election going on now anyways. I don't. I don't need another trip to the polls for something silly. So <laughs> something else silly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It concerns me that this is, uh, this has been Councillor Mole's uh, modus operandi at council. He did some, like he didn't do the same thing with the conversion therapy motion, but he did, he did get suckered by uh by some bad actors again. And he did go down a rabbit hole of uh, nonsensical fraudulent research. And uh, I think we're going to be seeing this from him a lot. Yeah. But. uh, (laughs) Credulous Facebooking. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, He did uh, on the, on the upside, the conversion therapy got its third reading finally, and that passed. And again, only Councillor Mole cool. voted against it. So we now officially, the bylaw is passed. Oh. The conversion therapy uh, is banned in Regina. So that is good. And um, now I've just driven it underground. Yeah. <laughs> Back alley conversion therapies. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this hot guy? Uh, you hate it. You hate that guy. Hit you with a coat hanger. On the uh, one thing that Councillor Mole also did this meeting, though, while we're on the subject of him, and uh, in the waning seconds of this half, uh, he did uh, get a motion passed 
for administration to do a report on local procurement. So that's, there is an upside to that. That was, um, it's, it's a report basically that's going to look into what are, what's within the city's scope to, uh, you know, make it so that any city procurement or request for proposals will go to local firms first. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, that was a councillor mole motion um, that, that passed. Interestingly though, there was like an item in there that was voted on separately and it was about um, examining uh, the possibility of having like a fair wage requirement on oh, city okay. procurement. And that uh, was voted on separately and that passed Nine to two, councillors Bershani and uh, uh, Shaw voted against that. Uh, they had issues with uh, limiting, tying the city's hands uh, in any way to like make them like, you know, give people a fair wage because we, <laughs> we wouldn't want that. But uh, yeah, so those are like the, those are the first three items. Uh, from this uh, last week's council meeting. But we are now uh, run- butting up against Innovative oh, Revenue man. Tools. I freaking blanked on the name of the segment, Innovative Revenue Tools. I don't even know what those are. So don't worry about blanking on the name because I blanked on the entire concept. Uh, I'm pretty sure they are tools mm-hmm. that we propose that the city can use. The idea is that they're innovative, creative, clever. Oh, I like Yeah, nice. Yeah that uh, the city can use to raise revenue that, uh, you know, stuff that isn't, you know, same old, same old property taxes. Um, well, you lost me, but I'm willing to go along with it. Yeah. Yes. I actually have an innovative revenue tool. Do you? It's, it's actually not for, for the city. Uh, it's for CJTR. Let's hear about it. Well, I believe uh, until the end of August, they're still running the CJTR virtual bottle drive get out oh no i'm i can't leave uh so let me tell you about this uh if you just take your bottles to um sarcan and say i would like to donate these proceeds to cjtr and they will or you can contact cjtr cjtr.ca and i believe they'll come and pick up your bottles for you uh, it's Sweet. been a while since i've looked at it uh at the at the text of the bottle drive but i believe that's the deal um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to hear more programming, more stuff like what we do, then if, if you want your mind to expand like a, like a balloon full of fluoride gas, uh, then, you know, donate your bottles to CJTR, go to CJTR.ca and find out more details. Absolutely. Yeah. Support, <laughs> support community radio with your rubbish. Exactly. Okay, that's an awesome innovative revenue tool. And on that note, and uh, my growly voice, we will uh, go to the pre-recorded ones. Woo! The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Ah, sorry, phantoms again. You shouldn't let them get to you, man. I know, I know. I, I, I mean, that's they, they tell me they're fine. Uh, but, you know, I, I see them and I just, I, my fighting blood gets up. Yeah. And then I think, no, infrastructure for delayed phantoms, not aggression. Yep. 
That's that should be our response to all things in <laughs> infrastructure. Mm-hmm. What's what's next on the agenda? Uh, I believe we have uh, another installment on uh, Schmutzy, Schmutzy's Urban Infrastructure Playlist. Ooh, have you picked a song? Uh, I have. I have not picked a song. I just came up with the just came up with the idea. <laughs> picked a song. I have not. What I'm hoping is that you will edit out this bit of talk. I will, and I'll stick <laughs> in a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. That was a that was a tune. That was these urban infrastructure playlists. Indeed, a good one. As they say. Uh, Well, thank you very much to Schmutzy for uh, doing all that research on uh, urban infrastructure songs. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And uh, now, uh, speaking of urban infrastructure, we're going to talk about urban density. Ooh. And what Uh, it has to do with infrastructure. uh, It's my understanding that uh, Regina is like basically found to be as dense as a neutron star. So it's going to be awfully tough to have more density in a, in a, in a megalopolis of, of sheer density, like, like Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah. That's what they're telling us. That's what the development community is saying is that uh, we're packed in like atoms in a neutron star. And uh, if, if we pack in any more density, we're going to explode. And uh, the cosmic radiation could be dangerous. Well, I mean, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't want to break kayfabe here, but I, I walked to the store the other day. It was five blocks. And I saw three people, three people walking along within five blocks. And I was like, I can't handle the density. Yeah. Too much bustle. Well, you could have bumped into one of those people. I could have. I mean, it wasn't likely, but mm. I could have. And then the, the reaction would have like sort of set off like a, you know, more people bouncing off each other and then said neutron star explosion. I think we're as dense as like anti-protons are dense in a particle accelerator. That if you keep like whipping things around at light speed, eventually two things will collide and maybe cause a reaction. That's exactly it. And we can't have that. That's what our bypass is for. It's for whipping Regina particles around at high speeds and eventually you'll see another one and you might hit it. So we're a giant human cyclotron is what you're yes. saying. Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, high, high energy living. Yeah. In Queen City. <laughs> uh, the things we could learn. But don't want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what we, what has happened? Uh, yeah, so the density target for market choice of housing motion passed at council at their last meeting. And I've been ringing the alarm bell on this just because it's one of those like uh, cryptically named motions that seems boring and no one will pay attention to. And, uh, and yet it could have like massive implications because it's, mm-hmm. it's specifically asking administration to write a report about uh, density and, you know, bigger houses on bigger lots. Right. And uh, it's a revision of 
our uh, official community plans, 50 person per hectare target. And the only people in the motion who are identified as stakeholders to be consulted are the development community. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because they're the ones who profit off all this. So, I mean, they're the one. So, obviously, their opinion is the one that matters because it would be unbiased. They just want to make a lot of money. We live in a freaking society where <laughs> the only way you can have expertise in a subject is if you are a capitalist profiting off of it. And then right. every politician will lay down at your feet and listen to the pearls of wisdom that you pour out of your head. Enlightened self-interest. Right. But if you're just like a regular Joe who has accumulated some expertise by virtue of being an academic, uh, you are somehow self-interested and uh, corrupted by your interest in the subject and cannot be trusted on it because you don't profit from it. Exactly. And they'll profit... You're just walking in there, pouring up the joint. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, exact, it's the exact same thing with climate change. I'm sorry, because our council will listen to oil interests when they come to talk about what they need and what their perspective is on climate change. But if you bring in an actual climate expert, those guys are just like making all that money off those grants. Oh, yeah. Just them. Cha-ching. I'm a little frustrated. And I've, I've got some reason. I'm going to share another little moment here uh, from this council meeting. Okay, so what we've got here is a question from Councillor Brashani for uh, one of the delegations, uh, Ms. McInnes from CRAP. Uh, I didn't write it down. From a housing company, a development company here in uh, Regina. So this is uh, Councillor Brashani's question and uh, the response from this developer. Doodly-loot-loot. There was an article that was written by a local journalist whose opinion is that, um, you know, if this motion passes, it will wreck Regina. What are your thoughts on that statement? Well, I'm, I'm, familiar, I'm familiar with the piece that you're asking about, and I'm not to, about to say that somebody else's opinion is wrong. Uh, they're certainly entitled to it. What I can tell you is this. Um, in my business, which is building single-family homes, when it comes to selecting a neighborhood, there are two types of clients. On one hand, we see the clients who want the peace, tranquility, lots of space. They generally tend to gravitate to the creeks if you're in the southeast or fairways west and Maple Ridge in the northwest, or they go outside of Regina to a satellite community or a development. And then on the other hand, you'll have um, the consumer who wants a busy community. They want to be able to walk to get groceries or dinner, They like to, and they like the energy that comes with a community with higher density, and it also has commercial development. And to say that either one of those neighborhoods is good or bad is just not right. People want what they want, and I can tell you with certainty, you can't change customer preference. Um, the client who wants to live in Harbor Landing will not consider the creeks and vice versa. The divide between choice and neighborhoods is just as strong as that whole north of Dudney, south of Dudney issue. Um, and to, if you drive through a lot of our neighborhoods like the Creeks, Wascana View, Lake Ridge, Maple Ridge, Windsor Park, Richmond Place, Regina is full of lovely, quiet, single-family neighborhoods. That they offer no density and no commercial. And I don't find them offensive, and I don't think that they've wrecked our city. Um, people are entitled to their opinion, and I can't say that... Um, there's any issues. I mean, we, we need to have mixed neighborhoods, and we have that. You look at Harbor Landing and Greens on Gardner, and there would be people who would argue that we've wrecked the city by creating those. So 
none of us are right, none of us are wrong. We're all entitled to our opinion. We're all entitled to our opinion, Aiden. That's right. It it turns out that good things and bad things are exactly the same. Yeah. It doesn't make makes no difference. We're just entitled to our opinions and consumers just want what they want. And that is the only measure of the success of a city is is whether consumers want to peace and tranquility or that sparkling urban energy. In other words, people with lots of money yeah. to buy a house. Anyway. Yeah. The big fear that was being bandied about during this council meeting is that if uh, if we don't have more big lots with big houses on them, everybody's going to move to White City. All these rich people will move to White City and then they'll come to town and use our roads and our services and we won't get any tax dollars from these rich people in White City. Well, I mean, it's, to be fair, I mean, there are people out there with money who mm-hmm. do need to make place attractive for them. The, the problem is that, I think the problem is that often when you start catering to people with money, that becomes the focus. And because they, t- because they got money, they take up, they take up more headspace, time and attention there, and they have greater influence on policy outcomes because yeah. they got money. Yeah. And I think when, sorry, I, who, who was the person who spoke there? Obviously it was from a representative of, de- of developers, right? Yeah. It was a development company. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't write down the name. Yeah. But she, was a house, think, she was a housing developer. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's, and what you hear there is the housing developer's perspective, but it's only a small part of understanding what makes a city worth living in and the kinds of neighborhoods that a city has. The only the only thing in the developers from the developers' point of view are consumers, are people who are out there putting down money for houses. Anybody else just doesn't enter into their conversation, and it makes sense that it wouldn't because that's not their job. But if you don't, only, but if you only listen to developers, then you're never going to be able to understand how a city works. You're never going to have a vision, and it's just going to be about uh, people throwing down money and. Uh, putting more like tumorous neighborhoods on on the outskirts of town. Well, and I I found it frustrating, all of this discussion of uh, a single, what what amounts to like a line out of our official community plan, which is our density target of um, Mm -hmm. people per hectare. And it ignores that all of these quality of life things uh, is what the bulk of our official community plan is about. And that it, um, it was a response to a pattern of development that was very, um, very suburban focused and very mm-hmm. single family development focused. And uh, it, it came out, you know, in the heels of a massive housing crisis that we had had uh, between 2007, 2012 kind of thing, where the vacancy rate plummeted to 0%. Mm-hmm. And I remember how much arm twisting there was, how many protests, how many delegations came to council to get them to take that housing crisis seriously and to recognize that they had some agency as a city council in this beyond just let the market solve this problem for us. And ultimately, that's what we ended up doing, right? Like most of the provincial investment was in market rate housing, not uh, not low income housing. The city didn't invest a lot in low income housing until more recently. And as a consequence, it, it took years for the market to correct the situation. And by some accounts... Uh, on the affordable housing end of things in Regina, that crisis never really went away. That a lot of exactly. people are still having trouble finding places that they can afford to live in. And so I remember how hard it was to get the council of the 2000s 
to take that crisis seriously. And here we have council uh, getting very upset about a perceived lack of large houses and large lots. And oh God, what's going to happen if rich people move away? They seem to recognize their agency there pretty obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I read, I was reading actually uh, some, some recent stuff that uh, home, home sales actually have fallen precipitously over the last few months. Uh, they reached a high in March mm-hmm. and they've fallen consistently since then, uh, although they're still relatively high compared over, over the years. Uh, and housing prices are quite high, but even that market, at least throughout Canada, is beginning to slow down. So developers might be um, feeling a little bit of flop sweat at this yeah. point. So who knows? Oh, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Heck yes. Uh, one of the things that Councillor Stevens pointed out and Councillor uh, Zakidniak was that, you know, we're coming out of COVID. A lot of the numbers that we're seeing are going to be uh, aberrant. And perhaps we should not be doing a study on density and market demand right now because this isn't going to be very representative of what the market wants or needs mm-hmm. uh, five years from now after we've fully recovered from COVID. Councillor Zakiniak actually attempted to get a motion through to uh, not do this report until after the uh, sustainability and energy renewability report, or whatever the framework is done. Right. Because that's going to be addressing the issue of density and land use. And so we should do that report first, see its results, and then wait until later in 2022 to start any other um, larger discussion. Uh, um, but yeah, that council wants to do the report now, even though we've got this completely distorted market from COVID. Uh, you, you raised a point about who developers listen to. Stu Niebergall from the Regina Home Builders Association uh, spoke at length at this meeting and received a lot of questions. Uh, I just wanted to play the first little bit of something he had to say. One more question. When you're addressing this, you're coming out from a new new home builder developer point of view. Um, yep. As a counselor, I have to answer to people about the tax uh, cost in our community. Uh, if I build communities of 50-foot lots compared to 45-foot lots or single-family homes compared to multiple, um, I, I start to experience that sprawl and that density, which also means that for the next 50 years to maintain that street you're buying on, I might have two or three less taxpayers per street to pay for it. Uh, that goes to the ongoing cost of taxation in our community. Do you have any thoughts on that statement and how that might play out? Yeah, that's where I think, again, you know, the the uh, assumption is, is that, uh, you know, Greenfield growth um, or urban sprawl is always a uh, only a cost on uh, the taxpayer. Well, two things that I think about in that: one is those future citizens, those future home buyers, um, they are citizens and future citizens of uh, of this city. You know, and and they don't really have a voice in this uh, debate. Only people in the you know the established uh, neighborhoods have a say in this uh, piece. Um, so you know that's what we try to represent uh, at some level to speak for the future home buyer who you know may be a new citizen to this community because they don't have a voice in this uh, uh, a voice in this uh, this discussion. So that was a question from Councillor Mansnelli for Stu Niebergall, the head of the Regina Home Builders Association. So there, so we, so we've got this all wrong. The developers, the developers' real agenda are are future people. They're they're looking out for the people who don't 
exist yet in the context that they're talking about. Right. Um, they're, they're looking out for phantoms. They are. Future, looking out for future, future phantoms or phantoms future, from the future. Phantoms from the future. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't buy this argument. I'll just put it that way. I, okay. It's, it strikes me that this is uh, disingenuous. I think That's, so. Although, you know, I think it's great. Um, the official community plan was put together through this really... Oh, sorry, go on. Also, he didn't answer the question, which was oh. that, which was that like, sprawl means a, a lower tax base. Per, oh, I, or, or, or maybe he did it, some, but not in that clip. I don't know. Yeah, I cut it off before he did. He went on and uh, basically his, his answer was not, um, was not fully responsive. He just basically said we should do the report to get the answer to your question. And then he said Bitcoin and vanished in the public <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. No, uh, the, the official community plan that was done, you know, I think it was 2013, 2014 when that was finally done. Uh, this, it was a two-year process and it was one of the most uh, broad consultations that the city has conducted. Huge numbers of people participated. All of staff got looped into this at some level. Um, all of council was involved and uh, it was through this process that uh, people said, you know, we need a denser city because it's more efficient and uh, it's better for the environment and uh, it keeps taxes down. So that, that that's what like the present citizenry got to say. So I think, and, and now we're getting this report, which is going to be consulting with the development community and the developers are going to be speaking for the future citizens. So it's nice to think that these future citizens, these, these yet to be residents will get a say in uh, the, you know, how our official community plan looks. And I think it's great that the Home Builders Association can, knows what they think. Mm -hmm. So I, I wish, I hope they can tell us more about this future because obviously they, they can see into the future and have some notion of what it's going to be like. So apparently council is going to oracles now. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's get that going out here. We got to <laughs> read its entrails. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, on, on, all right. What else we got? That's pretty much it. Uh, this did pass. It passed, uh, I believe it was seven to four. So councillors Stadnichuk, Zakidniak, Stevens, and LeBlanc voted against it. Uh, Councillor Stevens uh, spoke about, you know, it's very obvious uh, what the goal of this motion is. It isn't just, you know, an innocent report that it's asking for. It is, um, it is hoping to overturn the density targets. Right. And you know, promote more sprawl. Uh, and one of the things that Councillor Stevens also spoke about, and I think this is something that got very little, uh, very little attention, is that uh, these communities that get built with the larger lots, the single homes, they are exclusive. They exclude people of lower incomes. Frequently, mm -hmm. those are Indigenous communities and um, newcomer communities that can't afford to buy these houses. Uh, and they chew up available land that we could be building higher density on. And it also just, you know, they also are completely ignoring the fact that our density targets leave ample room for gigantic houses yeah. on luxurious lots. The fact that they haven't been built is um, the demand in the market has been for lower cost housing and people just simply can't afford to buy giant houses on giant lots anymore. There's a very small community who can buy those. And so um, I think one concern that was uh, raised by delegations and by council is that um, 
it is very difficult to build infill in Regina, that there is a lot of pushback from communities, a lot of nimbyism that makes that mm. more expensive. There's a lot of uh, obstacles to uh building within the city that already exists and make it much more expensive than building in Greenfield. And I think that's another conversation that we have to be having. And it's something that, you know, is not going to be addressed. It's only going to be made worse by this density motion. There we are. Uh, the report's going ahead. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's still plenty of time. I mean, hopefully administration will be open to listening to other people. Uh, outside of the development community on this to academics and experts. The uh, the IPCC sixth report just came out this week uh, and it identifies climate change as a big problem that cities are going to need to consider. The IPCC report identifies that our whole car culture is a primary cause of this climate change. Mm-hmm. Sprawl is a primary result of and it's a feedback loop. They, they create each other. Car culture creates sprawl. Sprawl creates more car culture. Yeah. And these two things work together to cause climate change. And um, this motion is not going to help us address Saskatchewan and Regina's enormous greenhouse gas footprint, uh, carbon footprint. And this issue was hardly even mentioned at council which was very disappointing. Uh, it's supposed to be one of our motivating, one of our motivating goals right now is supposed to be sustainability, renewability, getting our carbon under control. And it didn't even come up in this debate. Uh, it was hardly addressed. Uh, and that's disappointing. The same week that uh, all the scientists in the world are clanging a bell to say, uh, Society is en route to its own extinction. And Regina City Council is still worried about uh, white cities stealing some of our market share. <laughs> yep. Just on, en route, safely en route to our own extinction. Just steady as she goes. Stay yep. the course. Well, there we are. Uh, that's about it. All right. Then. Well, in that case, we should uh, perhaps move to adjourn. I think we should. All right. Well, I'll, I'll move. I will second that motion. Motion pass, meeting adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CGTR, Regina Community Radio, dialed to the community. You can find us on cgtr.ca slash podcast or on our website, uh, queencityib.com or on Twitter, queencityib. Um, yeah, we're broadcasting live 7 to 8 uh, Thursday evenings and rebroadcast Monday afternoons from 4 p.m. Uh, coming up next, we have the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by music all on through the night. That's it. Keep on improving, Jack.